Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is happening, gang? We have reached it. It is our finale episode in terms of our look at the eight divisions in the NFL in the offseason. Next week, we're going to shift a little bit, go into sort of a quarterback assessment Bill did, run into some Hall of Fame stuff. But this is probably, of all of the divisions we've been through, my favorite one. And this one, we get to go through the NFC West. And we have a really interesting conversation, especially as it relates to the Rams, about team building. I think you're going to really love this in the sense that you're going to get the chance to really hear Bill's kind of philosophy on team building, how team building has changed in the modern game. I get to ask a lot of really stupid questions. So this is truly, truly a fun episode for a division that's probably the best in the NFL, and it's going to be hard to figure out who's going to win it. But before we jump into the show, I wanted to take a minute and talk about one of our favorite sponsors, Bet Online. The month of July is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball to hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee match, Matchups, including prop bets and futures. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So, what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So, before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. All right, guys, here we are. We are at it. We're at the NFC West. This is going to be a fun one. Sit back and relax. This is the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian. And this this is our off-season review of the NFC West. All right, we are live on the Inside Football Podcast with Will Poling. It's an exciting day. Someone's still on island time and not the bald guy, but some of us might have gotten new haircuts this week. How's everybody doing? Good, thank you. Bill's looking good. I'm looking okay. And Scott, you still have no hair. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm still looking terrible. There's not much. Although I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about getting... I, I don't think so. I think you got that, you know, that good the Yule Brenner, yeah, masculine, no. tough guy kind of thing going. Kojak, it's, others. It's, it's all the testosterone running through my system. There you go. That's right. That's there it. There you go. That's it. Here we go. It could be my level of excitement because team one this week, as a lot of you know, has my guy from Purdue. Let's dive into it. Cardinals up first today as we travel through the NFC West. There we go as we continue and finish our tour of the NFL with the NFC West. And, Scott, you're right. We're starting with the cards. All right. On offense, Bill, uh, they ranked 14th in points per game at 25.6. They ranked 12th, actually tied with the Seahawks in terms of combined yards per play, 5.7. On yards per pass attempt, they were 16th at 6.9. In yards per rush, they were tied for ninth at 4.7. And in sacks, they actually tied with the Rams, giving up an average of 1.8 per ballgame. On the defensive side of the ball, they were ranked 11th in points allowed, giving up just under 23. 13th in combined yards allowed at 352. Passing yards allowed, they were a little bit better. They were ranked 8th. At 6.4, fell down against the rush where they were ranked 21st, offering up 4.6. And in sacks per game, they did a good job of protection. Uh, They only gave up four sacks per, uh, sorry, they were ranked fourth in three sacks per game. When you combine that 
in terms of the point differential. They were ranked 12th. They were able to sneak out at plus 2.7. And the turnover margin, they were ranked 17th at a 0.0. Okay. Uh, this is an interesting team, which seems to me to be a little bit at a crossroads. Let's talk about who they lost. Kenyon Drake, uh, an important part of the running game and a perfect fit for what they do, which is almost pure air raid offense. Uh, he left to go to Las Vegas for two years at 11 million. Patrick Peterson, who's 31 and did not have a great year, uh, leaves to go to Minnesota, which is a uh, uh, you know, the, the the happy hunting ground for veteran corners. He, he's actually 21 in Mike Zimmer time. Mike Zimmer and, dog years. Yes. And got 8 million, which is which is an interesting number. Hassan Reddick is the is the most interesting guy. He had a great year sack-wise. Seven of his sacks, 12 and a half sacks, I believe, came against the Giants. So uh that that, you know, there's some question as to whether or not that's really good production. But he goes to Carolina with his old college coach, Matt Rule, for, for on a one-year deal for $8 million, and we'll see if he's the real thing, and we'll see if they can replace him. Dan Arnold, who's a, a, you know, a pretty solid backup tight end, goes to Carolina as well uh, for $2 million. And Angelo uh, Blackson, uh, defensive end, goes to Chicago on a two-year deal. Devondre Campbell and Kevin Peterson also left. Um, so the question is, uh, you know, do they replace these, th th this production in a, in a, a, a team that was sort of so, so the, the players they signed, uh, Colt McCoy, who is challenging for making the most money uh, as a backup quarterback in the league without ever playing. I think he's going to win. I think he might be the winner. I don't know. I I'm not certain of that. Let's say we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna tally this up at the season end. But exactly, nip and tuck right now. I think him and Chase Daniel. We're gonna create a a, a new metric uh, that everybody in football will be interested in. Yeah, uh, they bring in James Conner, who signs a one year deal. Now you you love James Conner. You you love him. You can't. He's overcome cancer. He's overcome injuries. Um, He's a natural running back because he's got some natural shiftiness, but he's slowed down to the point where it's hard for him to be really productive. And um, I'm not sure he's a fit in this offense because, uh, um, you know, Kenyon Drake had explosion and shiftiness. James has lost explosion over time. So unless he gets it back, I'm not sure he's a great fit. A.J. Green, who has been among the missing for the last uh, three years, signs a one-year deal. He's a talented player who has not been on the field. And, you know, the odds of that changing are not great, but it's worth a shot. Uh, and, and he's on a one-year deal. Uh, Daryl Daniels comes in as a tight end. Uh, Kelvin Beecham uh, re-signs uh, uh, to play tackle. Brian Winters comes in on a one-year deal. Max Garcia signs a one-year deal. Rodney Hudson uh, is acquired in a trade with the Raiders, which was somewhat surprising uh, because uh, he got a, a $30 million extension. He played pretty well with the, with the, with the Raiders, but the, 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 the trade was surprising because he played pretty well. 
So you wonder why it took place, but um, we'll see. He's a decent player. Um, Marcus Goldwyn comes in on a two-year deal. Uh, I don't know that he replaces Reddick. J.J. Watt comes in on a two-year, $31 million deal. The question is, what does he have left? That's, that's a huge question. I don't know that this is a team that's ready to challenge. So the J.J. Watt move is, is somewhat, I wouldn't say surprising, somewhat questionable. If they're ready to challenge, it's a good move. And if he has something left, it's a good move. But usually if there's a lot of ifs, it's probably, uh, it's probably not one you take to the bank. But, Bill, these moves feel like they think they're ready to challenge, right? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah absolutely. Either that or they're saying, hey, look, we're, you know, we're going to take a chance on these guys hoping that there's something left in the tank, one of the two. Uh, but you're right. It looks as though they think they're ready to challenge. Uh, Darkies Denard comes in as a as a and Robert Alfred come in at corner. They they're guys who are fringe corner. Uh, you know they they can start and, and they'll be good for five games and then uh, it, they they fall off the the cliff. Malcolm Butler's Butler's the same guy. Chris Banjo uh, same guy at safety. Sean Williams uh, same guy at safety. Andy Lee uh, not not a bad punter and Matt Prater. Uh, a really good kicker, and they, they've had kicking woes for a while. If he's got anything left, again, veteran guy. If he's got anything left, he'll be he'll be uh, a, a good addition. But if you look at all of these additions, what's the common thread? Um, the common thread is that they're they're gambling on veteran guys still having enough left in the tank, A, to avoid injury in a 17-game season, and B, to be able to play well for a contending team, particularly in the defensive backfield, well, particularly on the defense period. So that's usually not a prescription for success. Uh, It can happen if everything breaks right, and it's certainly not a long-term answer. That's for sure. But in today's NFL, you don't worry about the long term because everybody's on a three-year contract, no matter what your contract says. Right. And that's true of, uh, uh, you know, already the rumblings are Cliff uh, Kingsbury's on the hot seat, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know how true those are. I think a lot of that's just hot air. I saw one the other day, by the way, that's, that made me – sometimes I'm shocked by what I read. Other times I'm amused. Other times I just laugh out loud and say whoever wrote it ought to be locked up. I read that Bill Belichick is under pressure. <laughs> yes. Good God almighty. Under under pressure he's created. <laughs> yeah. Have we sunk that low? Yeah, exactly. You know, is it necessary to 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 denigrate arguably the greatest coach in football history? I mean, you know, could you imagine? This is an old get off my lawn thing, but I got to get it off my chest. There you go. Can you imagine someone writing that Vince Lombardi's under pressure? Yeah. yeah no. That Don Shula's under pressure. Come on. I mean, this is, this, this is a make or break year for them, Bill. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. The draft. Xavier Collin. Uh, <clears throat> this is a linebacker without a country. It's a big guy. I don't know what he is. Yeah, he's a big, tough guy who's got good instincts. I don't know whether you play him inside or outside. I didn't see him as an explosive outside rusher, but you don't get enough really. You know, you, you don't get enough looks to really say 
Yeah, he can do it. The numbers are sort of middling numbers. Let's see what he let, 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 let's see what he what he looks like. If they if they they picked a good football player, I'll say that. They picked a good collegiate football player. I'm just not sure where he fits. And and they obviously know that better than I. Rondell Moore is your favorite guy, Scott. Here we go. From Purdue. Best pick of the draft. Here we go. He is the most exciting player in the draft. Uh, anybody that's ever watched him can't wait to watch him again. He's Barry Sanders playing wide receiver, but he's a little, little guy who's been hurt for two years. His most productive year was his, was his freshman year. He's a little thicker. He's a little yes, thicker. Yes, he is thick. Yeah, he's, uh, it, it, you know, you can make the argument that he's MJD-like, but he's not a running back. Right. So what do they get here? It, it, in, in, the, in the air raid offense on RPOs, dynamite, dynamite. I mean, you can see how they're going to use it, but um, I don't know if he holds up over time. And, and once that shake and bake goes, then – you're, you're really left with, with not a lot. So two picks that were great college players, I don't know if they translate. Right. So we'll find out. Yeah. Going to be fun. He may not be here for a long time, but I think he's going to be here for a good time. There you That's go. That's a good way to say yeah, it. I think you've been saving that one up, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's a good one. Marco Wilson uh, is a fourth-round draft choice from Florida. Victor uh, – Demuki, defensive end from Duke. He, he was pretty productive at Duke. Uh, Tay Gowan, cornerback from Central Florida. James Wiggins uh, from Cincinnati. Michael Manette, uh center from Penn State. Th- this is essentially a we'll, a, a we'll see draft. But the first two guys, if they if they pan out, really have the capacity to be difference makers. Of course, they, they, there's a big if there, though. and so. Uh, less so with Collins. I mean, he's a good football player. The question is fit. More, I mean, we know what he can do with the ball in his hands. He's phenomenal. But uh, uh, you know, he's a little guy. So you got a little quarterback and a little wide receiver. <laughs> not, not the most, not the most endearing recipe. But you never know. Could be good. Well, look, the game changes and evolves. This team plays fifty-three and a third yards wide. So. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do. Um, their sacks, Rick quoted the statistics, their sack uh, avoidance was great. That's because of Kyler Murray. And their yards per rush was great. That's because of Kyler Murray. Um, he's a running quarterback. Now, he's he's the better natural thrower than uh, uh, Lamar. Uh, Lamar. <clears throat> and, and can make every throw and make it accurately. Uh, but, you know, he's little. <laughs> That's the bottom line. And he makes his living with his legs and he was hurt last year. And, you know, all the things we, that we talk about, you know, day in and day out. Um, Chase Edmonds is a, a, a solid running back in the Bronx, my hometown. He's got power. Doesn't have a lot of make you miss, but enough. Uh, we talked about James Conner. He's coming off injury and, and he appeared to be on the down uh downhill path last year in in Pittsburgh let's see if he can rejuvenate himself in the desert DeAndre Hopkins we know is uh is is a great receiver his problem is he doesn't practice all the time well if you can live with that you know he's productive on Sunday AJ Green uh, we know is a 
a, uh, a guy that's got great ability to get down the field. Can he stay on the field? Christian Kirk, I think, is a, is really a, a hidden gem. He, he, he produces in the slot consistently. He's a clutch performer. He's got good hands. He's, he's, he, can, he can separate. He's a plus in the kicking game if you have to, if you have to win a game. You know, you put him back there, let him do it. He's, he's an extremely valuable performer. Doesn't get nearly enough publicity. And for whatever reason, people downgrade him. I don't know why, but maybe because pro football focus or somebody like that doesn't like him. But um, it, there's, there's nothing here not to like with Christian Kirk. And, and if they get him the ball enough, he'll be very, very productive. Um, Max Williams, um, I thought would be a, a more productive tight end than he is. But I don't know that in this offense, they, they get the most out of, out of him. If I were Carolina, for example, I, I might have been looking to try and trade for Max Williams. Uh, he's a more of a traditional tight end. But, um, again, you know, he, he's capable of doing good things. Um, the offensive line, DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, uh, for whatever issues he has uh, in the locker room or off the field or whatever caused him to be traded, uh, you don't see it in his play. And so he should upgrade this. And Justin Murray and Kelvin Beecham, uh, round out the offensive line. Now, this is, you could make the argument that this is the reverse of Baltimore. They don't really need to be great pass protectors because Murray is so agile and so, uh, so effective in movement uh, in or out of the pocket that really all they have to do is, is, is just sort of get in the way. Uh, because Murray is a good enough passer that he can make his living with his arm and is better at it out of the pocket. Like the guy in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, he's better at it out of the pocket because the size issue doesn't come into play when he's out of the pocket, obviously. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, if I'm them, I'm, I'm, I'm at least having meetings with the staff saying, do we need to invest in an offensive line? Right. Maybe you don't. <laughs> Maybe not. And if you look yeah. at where Cliff Kingsbury comes from, the pure spread, the, the, the pure air raid offense in college football, they do not invest heavily in offensive linemen and recruiting. I mean, it's not a position that they have to because they got the mobile quarterback who can do all those things. Guys are spread out all over the field. You got RPOs, all of that stuff. Does, and, and the run game comes off the fact that everybody's all spread out. So you don't really have to make big holes. you got wide splits and so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm going to be interesting to see how these guys play. But when I look at those statistics that Rick quoted, you can see that, that Murray makes a difference in, in that regard and, and creates running lanes for the running backs. Ergo, why they let the Alabama kid go, Kenyon Drake. I, 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 that's surprising to me. I mean, he was a perfect fit for that offense. And maybe they felt Chase Edmonds, you know, they didn't want to play, pay the money. Chase Edmonds is just as good. So, because I mean, that he, Drake got a lot of money from the Raiders. He did. 
he did, and and they may have some. I, I know there are analytics people who say don't pay running backs, and and maybe in this in this system that may be a tenant of that system. I've not heard it. I've heard don't pay running backs from the from the uh, uh, you know from the analytics people until it's coming out of my ears. Right. But yeah. uh, uh, as recently as a conference that I attended over the last two days. But uh, ironically enough, the most supposedly the most analytics driven uh, uh, franchise, Cleveland, has two great ones because <laughs> right. uh, they got a general manager and a head coach who values the running game. So uh, we'll see. I mean, this this is a, a we'll see deal uh, on defense. J.J. Watt, Zach Allen, Rashard Lawrence. Uh, JJ, of course, will be an outside, maybe an inside rusher. We'll see where they they, they place him. Um, uh, Chandler Jones comes back off injury, uh, outstanding rusher. Uh, they essentially replaced Hassan Reddick with JJ White, a uh, 27 year old with a with a 31 year old who's uh, who's coming off two straight injury seasons. So this is a we'll see thing. Zach Collins, they have listed as an inside linebacker, which I guess if you're playing a 3-4, he is. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is a right inside linebacker. He ain't an inside linebacker. Right. That much I can tell you. Yeah. This, now, is like, you. this is like a defense of guys who you don't know what position they're playing. Well, Xavier Collins, absolutely. No, no, no problem. Absolutely. I mean, he – you. You want to put him at strong inside linebacker where he takes on guards and 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 plays the run, no problem. I mean, I I'm good with that. Um, Simmons is 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 a three-four space linebacker, a three-three-five uh, space uh, strong safety slash linebacker. He is miscast as a, a even as a weak inside linebacker in the in the in the four-three. Now this. Keep in mind that what we're seeing here are depth charts that the league requires the teams to produce. I can tell you that when we were required to do that in Indianapolis, I didn't even look at it, and I'm not sure Coach Dungey did either. Uh, we right. just said to the PR department, "Put it out. We don't care. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. Who, we don't care who's playing there. Don't, don't worry about it. Just so you know, check the box, and everybody's happy. So." Um, you know, these guys are Vance Joseph knows what he's doing. So Simmons is not playing. I don't think he's going to be playing inside linebacker. I think he's going to be playing what he what he can play, which is which is a uh, a uh, specialized outside space player uh, and blitzer uh, and cover guy. Um, ironically enough, he's the guy that can uh, that can. Uh, probably match up best with uh, with their quarterback, <laughs> right? <laughs> but but he plays for them. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a fun. It's for practice will be fun. Yeah, though. exactly. Yeah, it will be. You bet. Uh, the, the the offense will certainly get a good look in practice. That's for sure. Uh, Marcus Golden, uh, uh, you, you know, as the as the uh, strong side linebacker, uh, you know, he he's he's a good player and 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 might be able to be. A pretty big contributor in nickel. Uh, the 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 defensive backfield, other than Buda Baker, is is a work in progress. Uh, there, you know, uh, Buda Baker is is a really good safety, um, and, and everybody else is uh, 
you know, a, a suspect. So we'll see. I, I doubt that 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 maybe lines up the way it, it is right now. Byron Murphy had a decent year at, at corner, but they brought in Darkies Denard for a reason. Uh, so uh, we'll see how it's, that, that shakes out. We said Matt Prater's a solid kicker. It's an upgrade. Andy Lee, solid punter. Andy Isabella uh, is uh, is a decent punt returner. Christian Kirk, as I say, when you you want to you want to open you want to break out a game, that's the guy you want, and he can also return kickoffs too. So this is a this is a team that at least if you listen to the newspaper reports, which I put very little uh, credence in, has an ability to challenge largely because of the uniqueness of their offense and the uniqueness of, of, uh, of their quarterback. And the defense needs to do a better job than it did last year. Uh, they put a lot of effort into remaking the defense. So we'll see how that pans out. And uh, the larger question that is, is, is typical of teams that acquire uh, veteran players hoping that they play a major role, i.e. J.J. Watt and others that they've acquired, uh, is how do those guys hold up over 17 games? Yeah. Is 17 a tipping point Yeah, uh, for older players? Well, because this team would seem to be a team that the 17-game schedule would hurt. You got older players, you got injury-prone skill players on offense. This seems to sort of buck conventional wisdom, right? Well, I don't know that there is any conventional wisdom at this point. Yes, it, it does to the to the extent that you you want to stay away. Paul Brown always said, "Keep the team green and growing," and he didn't mean it financially. He meant it in terms of younger players, because after a player hits thirty, the odds of success and the odds of staying healthy are really, really slim. So. In that sense, they are bucking the conventional wisdom, but then we don't know what the 17th game is going to bring. And, and, and common sense and history would tell you that older players will, you know, that might very well be the tipping point. Uh, we know that from a study that we did in Indianapolis in a 16-game season that from game nine on, the fatigue factor and the injury factor mounts tremendously. The league, interestingly enough, the league office tried to sell the fiction that that 18 games would actually mean less injuries than than more, uh, and, and that, of course, is not true. <laughs> that is that is right up there with the swampland in Florida. Yeah, it is. It is. Hey, Bill. As an aside, do you think this style of play is that they play on offense, the air raid offense, is suited for 17 games better than say more of a conventional run oriented offense or there's probably we, we don't know yet well the answer is we don't know yet but there are some factors that come into play this if you're going to play this offense this division is the place to play it because that means that you have uh six games in 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 ideal weather unless you were to get a torrential rainstorm in seattle you you play in six games in ideal weather Weather effect. You couldn't play this offense in the Meadowlands, for example. I, I wouldn't think you could. Uh, you couldn't play it in New England. Uh, you know, it, it'd be hard. It'd be hard to do because of the weather. 
but in, in this division, uh, I wouldn't bet against it. Wouldn't bet against it. All right. Well, Rick, take us to the Rams, and we'll find out if we're betting against them. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Rams uh, have a obviously a solid season. They go 10-6. and six. Uh, The offense is sort of overall, Bill, you'll see, is sort of a statistically a a third quadrant offense. Uh, In points per game, they rank 22nd with 23.3. On combined yards per play, they tie for 18th at 5.5. In terms of passing yards per play, they tie for 19th with 6.7. Uh, in terms of yards per rush, they tied with the Niners uh, for 15th at 4.3. Maybe the, the slightly better statistic in terms of sacks allowed, they tied for ninth uh, at 1.8. The defensive side of the ball, as you expect, is a completely different situation. Uh, in points allowed per game, they finished second. Uh, holding the opposition under 20 to an average of 19.3. Combined yards allowed per game, they finished first, uh, allowing only 292.9 yards per game. Passing yards allowed, they're first, uh, averaging 5.7. Rushing yards allowed, they tie for fifth uh, at 4.0. And sacks per game in terms of protecting their quarterback, they are second letting up only 3.2 per game. So true excellence there. Um, That combines for a point differential. They ranked 11th in the league with a positive 4.0. And their their turnover margin, however, was disappointing. They tied for 20th with minus 0.1. Well, those numbers tell a very, very interesting and clear story. But let's talk first about uh, about the players they relinquished because there's been big turnover on this team, largely because of salary cap issues. They've invested a lot of money in big-time players, and so they've lost some some pretty good uh, backup guys who or, or, or role players who, who really, I think, have made a difference. Also, Brandon Staley, who was the defensive coordinator and, uh, you know, coordinated the defense that put up that those stellar numbers, is now across town coaching the, the, uh, as the head coach of the, of the Los Angeles Chargers. So, new defensive coordinator. Um, John Johnson leaves, I think, a great safety. Gets three years uh, at 11.2 from Cleveland. Uh, that's he's that's a huge pickup for Cleveland, and I think a huge loss for the Rams. Um, Samson Ibukam, solid, solid, solid linebacker, uh, goes up the road to San Francisco, so that's a double header. You know, you lose the player, and he goes in the division, uh, two years at uh, at, at, at six million each. Troy Hill, who's 30 years of age. Uh, solid corner gets two years from Cleveland at at uh, at nine million. Probably still has some good football left. Although I could see um, making a move there. Morgan Fox, uh, really solid run down defensive end. 
27 years of age, goes to Carolina for two years at 4.5 each. Gerald Everett, um, a backup tight end. This one, you, you you know, you'd say, boy, we'd like to have him, but um, we'll sacrifice him. I mean, he's not he's not critical. Goes to uh, again a doubleheader. Uh, he goes to uh, he goes to the, the Seahawks for two years at at six million and upgrades them because uh, they had virtually nothing at tight end. Um, Josh Reynolds uh, is is a backup wide receiver. Malcolm Brown. Solid short yardage and goal line running back. Uh, Josh Reynolds goes to uh, uh, Tennessee and, uh, and and Malcolm Brown to Miami. <clears throat> Jake McQuaid, long snapper, goes to Dallas. Derek Rivers, outside linebacker, goes to Houston. Blake Bortles, um, who held the clipboard, goes to Green Bay, where he'll hold the clipboard. And Austin Blythe goes to Kansas City. Uh, he's 29. Uh, he goes to Kansas City on on a, on a one-year deal. So th- those those guys were guys they could afford to lose. Um, but um, you know the the the, the top four th- those are that's those are key losses. They acquire Matthew Stafford uh, in return for Jared Goff, and they gave up first and third and uh, 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 third round picks to do so. Uh, they were they acquired Deshaun Jackson, who has who is he's a part time player now, if anything. So and the if anything is is uh, yeah is probably the operative phrase. Right. And they uh, re-signed Leonard Floyd, four years, sixty four million dollars. Um, good signing. He's a difference making player. We'll see about Stafford. Everybody is making him into the second coming of Mahomes is not, but he's a good solid quarterback. We'll see if he now can win in a situation where he's required to win, not where he's playing with a team who's in the witness protection program, which is what the Detroit Lions have been throughout his career. The pressure has increased exponentially on Matt Stafford this year. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Scott and I argue about Matt Stafford all the time. So, this is his, you know, he's just turning the turning the screws a little down there. Okay, okay. Their draft, uh, they did not have a first, and they don't have firsts for the foreseeable future, I think, because of the trades that they've made. Till 2024. Yeah, <laughs> I was about <laughs> to say for the next little while. Tutu Atwell, uh, you know, decent wide receiver from Louisville. Ernest Jones, uh, pretty solid uh, linebacker from South Carolina in the third round. Bobby Brown. Defensive tackle from Texas A&M. Keep an eye on this guy. He's he's got a chance to be, to be pretty good. He's a developmental player, but he's got a chance to be pretty good. Robert Rochelle, cornerback from Central Arkansas, acquired in the fourth round. I think good pick. Look for him to be on the field. Jacob Harris, wide receiver from Central Florida. Um, you know, with wide receivers, you you almost never know until you get them in camp and see what they can do. Because it, what they do in college, unless they're really dominant, doesn't really uh, doesn't really uh, uh, translate. So, you know, let, he's coming from a, a different style of offense, pure pure spread. Um, let's see what he does here. Uh, he's got some ability. Ernest Brown, defensive end from Northwestern, uh, hard nosed player. Jake Funk is a is a you know a workhorse running back from from Maryland and. Uh, 
Skoranek from Notre Dame is an interesting guy. He, he was uh, a graduate transfer from Northwestern, came over to Notre Dame and became really, really productive when he played. He was um, nicked from time to time. He did not play a full season, but it, he, he's another guy. Keep an eye on him. He might, he has, if he can stay healthy, he might break out. And then Chris Garrett is a, is a, is a young developmental defensive end from Concordia. So, you know, they added three wide receivers. Uh, Tutu Atwell is, uh, you know, is a, is a, is a speedster. And, and then they add Deshaun Jackson. We'll see. This team offensively, and, and, and we'll talk about the depth chart here in a second, but offensively, the statistics are absolutely not good enough. You know, points, 22.3, that's not good enough to win much less make the playoffs. Yards per pass attempt, 6.7, not good enough. Yards per rush, 4.3, not good enough. So was it the quarterback's fault? Maybe. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Hey, Bill, from a plan, I mean, we joke about it a little bit, but from a general manager's perspective, how hard would it be to operate without first-round draft picks for five years? Really hard. Really hard because you're not keeping the team green and growing. It's as though you missed on five ones. You know, at some point, those guys, even if you're a good team like like this team is and, and you're in the playoffs and drafting low, you may not be getting difference makers, but you're getting solid low-level blues who can, who can win on their own. And, and to not have those for five years – and, and and replacing them with play, veteran players who, at some point, will descend. Will all it'll catch up with you all at one time. Yeah, because they're two years away from a really dire situation. Maybe right. Yeah, that's correct. They they're in both a dire cap situation and a dire ca- uh, 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 draft situation. Yeah, right. And it may be. Look at I. I the old paradigms are all gone. I, I think that, that that's the, the takeaway that I've got finally in my head after talking to people widely this offseason. The old paradigms are gone. So it may well be that like in other sports, in my view, not for the better, but nonetheless, it is the, it is the, 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 the paradigm these days. Some people in ownership may say, go ahead, let's make a run for as long as we can make it, and then we'll crash and be awful for a couple of years, and, and then we'll bounce back again. And the fans will accept it. And if you want to be really cynical, the team president, and probably not the general manager, but the team president can say, if we have to fire the coach and start over again, so what? Everybody's making money. The suites are sold. The stadium's sold out. I don't know that you can take that approach in Arizona. I know you can't do it in Indianapolis um, simply because the stands would not be filled and you'd take a, you'd take a pretty big hit uh, uh, you know, at, at, at the box office. But in the larger metropolitan areas of which Los Angeles is the, you know, if not the first, the 1A in, in the world, 
you, you can I, you may be able to get away with it. I'm not saying that that's the decision they've made, but that paradigm is out there, and the analytics people buy into it 100. percent They're fine because their jobs are not on the line, of course. Right. But the, right. They just give numbers. <laughs> yeah, they're fine with with that approach. So that's pretty obvious. So that could be the that could be the approach they're taking. You know, Bill. So it's so different over the years, our conversations where, you know, we talk about the press lauding just the team that won the Super Bowl, no matter how, you know, how it was good calls, bad calls, good bounces, specific injuries. Whereas we both knew that greatness, like in Indianapolis, was making the playoffs eight or nine out of 10 years. It's the consistency. So you're right. I mean, this is a whole new way to define what is a, a great franchise this let's try and win now or next year and then who cares about it after that we'll try again down the road yeah well that, that ironically enough that's george allen with the over the hill gang yeah. history right. always does repeat itself but george allen was the exception both in in los angeles and washington there was no salary cap and so he famously spent money uh, you know, like the proverbial drunken sailor. In fact, Edward Bennett Williams, who was the owner in Washington at the time, said he gave him an unlimited budget, and George exceeded it. Exactly. Uh, but but the 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 bottom line is that even in the salary cap era, and perhaps more so in the salary cap era, and particularly if you have a, a team president that's knowledgeable, and Kevin Demoff is. There are people that say he knows just enough to be dangerous. There are others like me who believe that he's he's pretty knowledgeable, perhaps maybe the most knowledgeable aside from Rich McKay in terms of, of how you run a franchise. I'm not ex- I'm not including owners like uh, John Mara or Jim Irsay, obviously, who know what they're doing. But the you know, it's possible that's the, that's the approach they're they're going to take. And the only risk is that you don't get away with it at the box office and take a big hit. And, and the other risk, of course, is that if you have to let the coach go, then, and that's tied parson parcel, part and parcel to the record in the box office, uh, you may not get as good a guy the second time around. Uh, Indianapolis found that out. So it, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a, puzzle that that's hard to solve but it's one way to skin the cat and it's let me put it this way it's much more acceptable to the media than it ever was before much more because it's a new generation yeah generation of media and and they're more they're more susceptible to believing analysts and analytics and Mm -hmm. and 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 they buy into it and 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 you know for the Philadelphia 76ers, as an example, we're really getting far afield here, but it's a fun discussion. Hey, we're trusting the process. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the Philadelphia 76ers to do what they've done after they initiated tanking, they and the, the 2006 Cleveland Browns initiated tanking in the modern era and made no bones about it, for them to fail First of all, to bring in Daryl Morey, <laughs> whatever he did with the Houston Rockets didn't work. <laughs> and now he's making pronouncements about what he's going to do with the 
Philadelphia 76ers is laughable. But for them to perform the way they have, essentially to have only Embiid, who is injury prone, and Simmons, who can't shoot. He won't shoot. Or well, well that's, that's a different story. He's not a good shooter and wasn't a good shooter coming in. Right. Maybe shouldn't shoot. To show for that whole process, to me, is a is a failure. But the media doesn't view it that way. Yeah. This one would scare the bejesus out of me just because in those situations, they were accumulating picks. This is we have no picks. And oh, by the way, at the time when the needle's probably really going to be moving down in two years, you got to think the uh, young man across town, the needle will be moving way up with uh, Herbert. He will. Yeah, that's correct. He will. And, 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 but what we don't know, again, we're getting far afield here, but it's a fun conversation. I hope our listeners enjoy it. What we don't know is whether the old paradigm in Los Angeles will hold true that the Rams like in hockey, the Rangers in New York are always the top dog or uh, said another way, will the Rams be the equivalent of the Dodgers, the number one team in town? Yeah. Which they have been traditionally. They have, of course, there's not a lot of recent tradition, but <laughs> in, in the old days, when there were two teams there, they were they they were the, the, the king of the hill. So now, will that remain with the Chargers ascending with a quarterback who's going to burst on the scene this year I'm sure, as a full-blown bona fide star, and and the Rams possibly, in a couple years, when Stafford is at the end and the cap hits in, and somebody Ramsey and others are at the end, is that going to change the paradigm? There's lots of unanswered questions. I'd be uneasy about it if I were. I'd, but I'm I'm much more traditional, and and, and so. My style of, of team building, except for Lou Lamarillo with the New York Islanders, is, <laughs> is, is kind of <laughs> by the boards. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. But in the short run, uh, getting back to that, um, I think Stafford will do well in this offense. Uh, I think Cam Akers is, is, a, is a pretty solid running back. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are essential for this offense to be good, uh, both their go-to guys. Cooper Cup is what was uh, was the old quarterback's go-to guy, but it, whether he is with Stafford or not is immaterial. They're both really good receivers. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is definitely, definitely a huge question mark. Tyler Higby, uh, you know, not a bad tight end, and tight end is an important part of this offense. Speaking of old school. This is a, you know, a really good old school offense. I, this is not unlike what we did at Indianapolis. Um, uh, Andrew Whitworth is a, is, has had a good career. He's definitely on the backside. Uh, he definitely slipped last year, and, and there may be some more slippage coming. He's, I think he said the other day this might be his last year. David Edwards, not bad. Brian Allen, not bad. Austin Corbett. Uh, morphed into the player uh, that uh, we thought he could become. And Rob Havenstein, while not a great pass protector, is a, is a solid right tackle. So 
this is an offense that should be productive. Um, that's going to make a good run at it. I like them better than I like the Cardinals, for example, even knowing that Murray can do magic. But will it sustain itself? I'm, I'm not sure. And, and I think you probably would bet against that. Yes, this would not be where I would be putting my uh, crypto these days. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to be my Bitcoin bet. <laughs> I think I think you might you, you you might be wise to maybe think about diversifying a little bit because yeah. the Justice Department has has discovered crypto coins. So. Yeah. I, I like the uh, I like the Crosstown team a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think Bill was making a bigger point there, Scott. Yes. But yeah, very very true. The uh, 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 on defense, Sebastian Joseph Day, Ashawn Robinson, uh, the great Aaron Donald. And Justin Hollins are the starters. If there is not a dominant, dominant rusher along with Aaron Donald, uh, then he, the people can negate him. So who's going to step out and get 12 sacks other than Aaron Donald? That's the question. Uh, I said before, I like Bobby Brown as a, as a backup, uh, you know, Jonah Williams is a is a pretty solid backup. My question is, who's the twelve sack guy, twelve plus opposite Aaron Donald? Because if you don't have him, you're in trouble. It's got to be Floyd because there really isn't anybody else, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And will it will that happen? Yeah, will it happen? You got Micah Kaiser, uh, and and Floyd, and uh, and Kenny Young, uh, and and and. Uh, at, at, at linebacker and Floyd has to be the guy and and that's hard to do that's it's hard to do at at linebacker in in this style of defense but we'll see I mean you, you're right he has to be the guy uh Jalen Ramsey's a solid corner Taylor Rapp is a uh it, it can't is not a great cover guy it's strong safety but he does everything else really well Jordan Fuller, uh, not a bad free safety, but I don't think he's John Johnson. And 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 that's that look look at that position, see if he can step up and be as good as John Johnson. And Darius Williams, not bad at at the other corner. So uh, they they've got some youth with Williams. Uh, Taylor Rapp's young, Jordan Fuller's young, Ramsey uh, still has some good years in him. And, and with a new coordinator. Uh, will they be as good as what they were under Brandon Staley? We'll see. They were dominant under Brandon Staley. Matt Gay is a pretty solid uh, place kicker, although they they brought you know Austin McManus is there to give him uh, uh, give him a competition. Johnny Hecker remains a outstanding punter. Nimba Nimba Webster solid receive a solid uh, dual returner. So. You know, this is a team that if they can improve on offense, get good enough on offense, which they weren't last year. And obviously they think it's because of the quarterback. If they yeah. can get better on offense, then I think that uh, that uh, they will be they will be good enough on defense to challenge. It's, that does seem to be what it's all coming down to. Right. How much of an upgrade is Stafford over Goff? Because uh, that seems to be the major thing they did to try and turn things around in offense, which was not good last year. So. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We will find out. All right, before we head to two of my favorite cities on planet Earth in San Francisco and Seattle, I wanted to take a minute and talk about something else I have fallen in love with. That's Moinkbox. Moinkbox was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted and I would have to agree. It's literally, whether you're trying to do bacon with eggs at breakfast, doing a little BLT action, we dusted off a little scallop on the grill with some wrapped bacon over the weekend. It was phenomenal. And Jamie Simnoff, creator of Ring Video Doorbell, invested in Moink. So what are you waiting for? If you want the best bacon, the best steaks, the best chicken, the best salmon you'll ever eat that won't come from a grocery store. You'll find it on the family farm and caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. That's why you need Moinkbox. So head over to moinkbox.com and join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe right now and listeners to this show will get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. That's right, free bacon for a year. So what are you waiting for? Head over to moinkbox.com it's m-o-i-n-k-b-o-x.com slash believe b-l-e-a-v and that's moinkbox.com slash believe to get a year of free bacon with your order today all right we're off to san francisco all right here we go let's go to the niners okay i kind of interesting statistically it's kind of a the end product when you look at points really doesn't always coincide with the other numbers here so you know they went six and ten uh in points per game they were ranked 21st at with 23.5 combined yards per play they tied with the cardinals for 12th at 5.7 they were tied for 10th on yards per pass at 7.1 they were tied for 16th uh, in yards per rush the rams at 4.3 and in sacks, uh, they did not protect the quarterback well. They were tied for 20th, giving up 2.4. But you have sort of these middle of the pack, you know, 16, 10, 12 numbers, uh, but coming out only scoring at the level of ranking 21st. Uh, on defense, uh, they ranked 17th in terms of score, uh, allowing 24.4. But again, these other numbers. Combined yards per game, they ranked fourth at 343.4. Combined uh, passing yards, they ranked fifth at 6.2. Combined rushing yards, they tied for fifth at the Rams at 4.0. And sacks, uh, they were they were 20th there as well, uh, producing one, only 1.9. Um, so on point differential, this put them at 17th with a minus 0.9. And a turnover margin, they tied for 30th with minus 0.7. Well, the statistics, uh, number one, are skewed because they were riddled by injury. And secondly, because they did not get consistent quarterback play. So that's that's the answer to the statistics. So we almost throw them out and start fresh this year. Yeah. Players they they lost, um, Kendrick Bourne, uh, you know, solid road player receiver, Kerry Hyder, designated hitter as a pass rusher, 30 years old, probably still has some juice left in the tank, goes to uh, Seattle. C.J. Beathard, uh, you know, journeyman backup quarterback, Akilo Witherspoon, 
backup corner. Solomon Thomas failed number one draft choice as a uh, as a uh, uh, defensive lineman. Marquise Goodwin, uh, just a guy as a receiver, uh, you know, a, a, a speed guy who can, uh, you know, take the proverbial take the top off, but nothing special. Tevin Coleman, uh, receiving back, he, he's 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 not. Uh, a number one or even a two running back at this stage of his career. And he's 28 years old. He's been injured a lot. Ronald Blair, uh, you know, solid backup defensive lineman. Joe Walker, both of those guys went to the Jets because uh, Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, went to the Jets. So they're guys that he feels comfortable with. Uh, Joe Walker, uh, inside linebacker, goes to Washington. Jarek McKinnon. Uh, you know, good, solid uh, receiving back goes to uh, Kansas City. <clears throat> Nick Mullins, uh, you know, not good enough at quarterback. And Trent Taylor, you know, backup wide receiver goes to Cincinnati. So um, the guys they lost, not just guys. They were better than that. But nobody's going to lose any sleep over, I, I, I think. That none of them were difference makers or <laughs> – or really solid producers. Now, we'll miss Nick Mullins on the football team because he was a gift from the heavens late in the season last year in our playoff run. Yes, he was. Yeah. Players that they signed, Nate Sudfeld, uh, you know, good backup. Again, a guy we love in D.C. Yes. Wayne Gallman. Uh, look for Wayne Gallman to have a good year in this offense. This is the, the Shanahan West Coast downhill one cut and go offense. Look for Wayne Gallman. He is a good fit in this offense. Kyle Jurassic, uh, you love him. Benny Fowler, uh, interesting guy. Muhammad Sanu, uh, again, if he has anything left, uh, and that's debatable, he'll be a good fit in this offense. Trent Sheffield, uh, you know, pretty solid uh, prospect. Trent Williams. A big contract, big contract. And he's a little bit on the older side. So this one worries me in terms of dead money. He's a pretty solid player. Alex Mack, one year, uh, he, he's on the on the downside. Tom Condon, uh, Compton, re-signed. Clemente, you, you know, decent guy, backup guy. Arden Key, be interesting what they can get out of him as a rusher. Uh, he, he's never panned out really, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, Maurice Hurst, good solid role player. DJ Jones, the same. Zach Kerr, the same. E. Bucam, two-year, 12 million deal. Uh, they, they know a lot about him because they played against him. And in this offense, he too could shine. This is uh, this is like Goldman. He could, he could come to, not that he was not that he was bad in Los Angeles, he wasn't, but he could come to life in this offense and really be in this defense, excuse me, and be a, a pretty good contributor. Nate, uh, Gary, sol solid backup guy, and Emmanuel Mosley at corner, uh, you know, not bad. Jason Verrett, um, really good corner if he can stay healthy, and that's the huge, that's a huge, 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 huge if. K1 Williams, you know, not a bad backup corner down. They added Tony Jefferson at safety. He, too, has some mileage on him, but not bad. 
They re-signed Jaquiski Tart, who is a, a you know a really solid role player for him and Tavon Wilson. So, all in all, I think a pretty good offseason for them, and, and we'll see how this shakes out because there's a lot going on here in terms of remaking this team. The draft, um, Trey Lance, uh, you know, stay tuned. Yeah, <laughs> you probably won't see him this year. So uh, unless the roof falls in, but stay tuned. We'll find out. Aaron Banks, road grader, big, 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 big road grader. And in this offense, I don't know. I don't know if he's got good enough feet to play in this offense. Uh, I would like to see him in a different style of offense, a more power-oriented offense. Uh, but if you're going to play the zone running game, I'm not sure he fits. Trey Sermon from Ohio State definitely fits. He's going to be a nightmare in this offense, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep, he will be. Uh, Ambry Thomas, a corner from Michigan, not a bad pick. Jalen Moore uh, from Western Michigan, not a bad pick. Iman, um Demondere Lenore, uh, the court corner from I Oregon. I, I don't know really well, to be very honest with you. And Ofanga and Mich uh, Mitchell uh, are, are, you know, are decent prospects. Banks in the second round, to me, is a is a bit of a gamble. If he if he if he if he pans out, he'll be a big asset in the run game. But you know, I worry a little bit about the movement with him. Traditionally, they don't use road graders in this offense, and that's what he is. Okay, to uh, the depth chart, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback and will be uh, until uh, until uh, he gets hurt. <laughs> yeah. Poor Josh Rosen signs over here, and, <laughs> you know, he, the poor guy just keeps, keeps – I mean, I don't know that he's anything more than a backup, if that, but he just keeps going in bad situations. Hey, Bill, if Jimmy G gets hurt early, do you think they would go to Trey Lance early, or do you think we'd see Sudfeld or Josh Rosen? My guess would see is we'd see Sudfeld okay. early. Yeah. Uh, Raheem Mostert is a solid running back coming off injury, but in, in Sermon and Gallman, they're loaded at this position. And they that may tell you, that may tell you that if anything happens to Jimmy G, you're going to see Lance because they load it up in the running back. It can, and they've proven you can win throwing the ball seven times. Yes, absolutely. Debo Samuel, Brennan Ayuk, and, and Richie James, Samuel and Ayuk, are, although he's coming off injury, are, uh, are, are really uh, solid receivers. Jalen Hurd is coming off injury as a backup. Sanu might very well supplant Richie James. That keep an eye on the third wide receiver position. Um, you know who's the best tight end in football? Is it George Kittle or is it Dorsey or is it the the young guy in Detroit? Uh, take your pit. Two of them come from Iowa. Uh, that may tell you something about the Iowa program. But uh, Iowa is definitely tight end you. Definitely. Well, and they're definitely learning from all the other tight ends at tight end week that they did this past week. Yes, yes. Um, so he, he's, he's dynamite. Uh, Juice Check is dynamite as a fullback. He's the most versatile fullback in the league uh, and, and, and can do damage. Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, 
Alex Mack for a year. I worry about if, who steps in if he can if he gets hurt. You know, is Brendel good enough? Brunskill and McGlinchey, uh, solid offensive line. So if Jimmy stays healthy, which is a big if, of course, this is an offense that if the third wide receiver can be a a solid, solid contributor, <coughs> doesn't have to be spectacular. This is a this is a really good offense. This this should be a top ten offense in the league. Hey Bill, am um, I am I crazy? Injury free. I like this offense more than the Rams. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's very close. Okay, I think it's very close. You know, I, I think a lot depends on how the third wide receiver develops in this in this offense. Although the tight end is such a he's the third receiver, so I'm creating a boogeyman that really doesn't exist. On defense, uh, this whole defense will change completely because you know Bosa is going to be back. And he's, if not the best, he's among the two or three best in the league. So Eric Armstead, uh, Jason Kinlaw, DJ Jones, and uh, Nick Bosa, really, really good. D Ford's coming off injury, and I'm not sure that he's got a lot left. So the question is, who's the other rusher? Who's the other rusher? Can D Ford give them a quality season? That remains to be seen. Uh, Greenlaw is a really solid uh, uh, linebacker. Fred Warner is, you know, close to being an all-pro. And Ibukam, who, by the way, might be, might be the other rusher because he's got that ability, Mm -hmm. Uh, steps in at Sam linebacker. Mosley, Jaquiski Tart, Jimmy Ward, Jason Verrett. Uh, Verrett is is the question mark. Does he stay healthy? And and if not, can K1 Williams or somebody else step in there? The two safeties are probably as good a tandem as there is in the league. Robbie Gould is uh, a solid place kicker, and he's been rejuvenated uh, out there in, the, in 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 Baghdad by the Bay with the nice weather. He doesn't have to worry about Chicago. And the uh, and and the and the kicking gremlins that exist in Soldier Field, Wachowski is a solid uh, punter, and and Richie James is a you know not a bad dual returner. So uh, with Bosa back, if someone emerges as the second rusher, and if Ferret can stay healthy all year, then this is a good defense. So they become automatically with health a bona fide contender and after all they they went to a super bowl so why not could be a fun team in san francisco all right bringing up the rear some of the craziest off-season media comments about contracts that aren't movable let's do the seahawks all right let's do it and and again we've got a, a bit of a mixed bag here uh in terms of stats uh you know obviously a a, a terrific season when you're 12 and 4 uh but uh, offensively in points per game, uh, they finished seventh uh, at 28.2. In combined yards per play, they were tied for 12th at 5.9. In yards per pass attempt, they were middle of the pack, tied for 15th at 6.9. Uh, the rushing attack, though, uh, was tied for fifth 
at 4.8. But in sacks, they were near the bottom, giving up 3.1, which put them tied for 28th in the league. On defense, in terms of points allowed, 18th, giving up 23.6. Combined yards allowed per game, 22nd, 377 plus. Yards per pass attempt, tied for 16th, 6.8. Rushing, good job, ranks fourth, giving up only 3.9. Sacks, they got uh, tied for fifth, uh, getting almost three a game. Uh, that resulted in a ranking in terms of point differential, ninth at 4.6. Uh, and a turnover margin, uh, putting them solidly in the middle of the pack, 15th, uh, 15th they were tied at plus 0 0.1. Okay, this is, a, this is an interesting team, and it's interesting in terms of the guys that left. Shaquille Griffin, well, let's hold on there for a second. We're going to talk a little more about this it's a unique situation. Jerron Reed goes to Kansas City uh, uh, on a one-year deal at 5.5. Uh, I would argue he'll make a, a bigger difference in Kansas City than he would have here. So that's probably a great move for the Seahawks. David Moore uh, was a you know a backup wide receiver. He goes to Carolina for for a two year deal. Uh, Carlos Hyde we'll talk about in a second. Quentin Dunbar, uh, you know, is a is a journeyman uh, corner. So he goes to Detroit uh, on a one year deal. Jacob Hollister is a is a Good backup tight end. He goes to Buffalo, which is where the, the role he'll play, backup receiving tight end. Uh, Philip Dorsett uh, will hold on to in a second. And Delano Hill goes to Carolina on a one-year deal. And Lyndon Stevens goes to Washington on a one-year deal. Those are largely uh, backup players. So Shaquille Griffin, Carlos Hyde, and, uh, and Philip Dorsett, uh, all go to Jacksonville as, as, and they're interesting. First of all, coach, that's part of the coach Schottenheimer. Um, uh, he gyro Hodge going from <laughs> Seattle to Jacksonville. <laughs> they're following him. And secondly, Carlos Hyde joins the uh, urban Meyer alumni club, which right. is in Jacksonville, right. which so, might be a better club. That might be the best club. <laughs> and Carlos is 31. So, uh, and, and the same guy as Robinson, by the way, who's 24. So, uh, you know, he's just uh, he's joining the alumni association. So, there you go. exactly. Uh, you know, interesting. Interesting. It, it, it'll be good for fundraising and boosters. Yes. Yes. Columbus. Uh, Columbus on the Atlantic. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, Geno Smith resigns. So what? Uh, <laughs> if you got to play him, it's not a great year. Uh, his, his family, his family was happy. <laughs> Chris Carson, big resign, big resign. And by the way, again, I'm grinding this axe, and I'm going to continue to grind it until the cows come home. All I hear from the analytics people is running backs don't count, except the coaches and general managers keep signing them and drafting them. Right. I wonder why. Well, yeah. They haven't abolished the position yet. 
Not yet. No. And, and, and it's they actually give the ball to them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I think the analytics people want a, a, a I don't think they can get a law that bars them. But I think they want a rule that prevents you from handing the ball to them. Yeah. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I've made my point. Gerald Everett is a is a big plus at tight end, and uh, and and that gives them uh, uh, you know gives Russell another weapon. The media have missed that, by the way. They think that only wide receivers can catch the football, uh, and that's probably because of fantasy. But um, tight ends are 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 a quarterback's best friend, and <clears throat> this is a plus uh, for Russ, no question. Gabe Jackson's acquired in a trade with the Raiders, another in a long line of offensive linemen that they've tried to resurrect there. Ethan Poole, uh, Ethan Potsick is re-signed. Uh, Jordan Simmons re-signs. Uh, Cedric Obuye re-signs. So, you know, with the addition of, Jake, uh, of, of uh, Jackson, do they create an offensive line that can protect Russ because regardless of whether you like what occurred with Russ in the offseason, he is correct. He's the most sacked quarterback in the league in the last three years, and it's not because he's holding the ball. And it's not because the receivers can't get open. It's because they have a very poor press protecting offensive line, bottom line. So can they change that? They bring in Benson uh, Mayawa as a uh, – as a, as a defensive end, Al, uh, Alden Smith, and eh, you know, he, he, he's a failed draft choice. I mean, that's the bottom line. And TBD, I think there's some off-field stuff again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, Pete's going to always do that. That's, and he's going to hit sometimes and, and, and not hit sometimes. It's what he does. Right. And so, I mean, you can't argue with it. So, Pete and John Schneider do a great thing. They bring in Kerry Hyder. If Alden Smith flames out, there's Kerry Hyder, designated hitter. He's in the on-deck circle. So good move. And Dietschy, same guy. Right. Right? Failed number one. Pete believes in the old Al Davis theory, always take a chance on a failed number one, no matter why he failed. And God bless him. I mean, that, that's his philosophy, and – Good for you. Um, Al, Wood, Al Woods uh, signs a one-year deal. Uh, he will add um, some uh, some value on the defensive line. Puna Ford um, re-signed. I think that that he's he's a you know a, an unknown player, but a pretty good one. They got some big guys. Al Woods and Puna Ford are not little men. No, that's correct. And and Pete's going to always have you know he's going to have the flop end who's going to be small. He's going to have the five technique who's going to be bigger. And, and, and Alden Smith and Kerry Hyder and Nimdichi are, are candidates as the flop end, replacing Bruce Irvin. And, uh, and, uh, and then the big guys are going to play inside. Pierre Desir is interesting. He played really well in Indianapolis as a, as a cover two corner. Don't know quite how he fits here, but I wouldn't bet against him. He's a he, the guy's got something going for him. Demarius Randall uh, resigned, and Akilah Witherspoon comes over from uh, the uh, Chiefs, and he didn't ever 
get to the next level with the Chiefs, but he might here. Uh, that's a move that certainly I, I, I would have made. I mean, I, there's some, some upside here. So a typical Pete Carroll, John Schneider offseason, and, and they always do well. So nobody can argue with it. In the, uh, in the draft, uh, you want weapons for, for Russ. There he is, Dwayne Eskridge, Western Michigan. He can go get it. He can run with it in his hands. He can uh, he can uh, uh, separate. Didn't get a lot of uh, a lot of guru play um, because, frankly, they didn't know him, which proves why they you know they shouldn't be gurus. <laughs> but he emerged. He emerged. Football people knew him, but he emerged uh, after the uh, after the, uh, uh, the the whole process was almost over with because uh, the people that knew him kept them below the radar. Uh, but uh, he, he's a good, he's a good player and uh, he'll help Trey Brown. Um, good solid corner from Oklahoma who decided by the way, this year to play defense. They made a commitment to play defense, which is the first time in a long time. And um, so that'll, you know, this guy was pretty good. Stone Forsyth uh, uh, offensive tackle from Florida. You know, we'll find out what he's all about. Okay, Stone Forsyth actually, uh, they didn't have many draft choices, so that's there. They had uh, a two, four, and a six. Uh, three picks. That was it. Yeah. Not, wow. So Forsyth was their last pick. Not a ton. Not a ton of picks for the old team. But Eskridge right. could be pretty good. Yes, he could. Yes, he could. He he, he adds to a, a a a good receiver group. And not that it matters, but he made the Madden trailer. Uh, which is? For the video game, which usually means the uh, nerds in the video game world think he's going to be pretty good. Oh, okay. Russ, of course. But let's hold that to the end. We'll talk about him in, in a little bit. Chris Carson is the key to their offense. Again, running backs, running backs, running backs. You've got to run the football in the National Football League. Chris Carson is the key to their offense. When he was healthy, this was a very, very high-functioning offense. When he wasn't, it was not as good as it – nearly as good as it could have been. So um, uh, he's the key. I'd like to see – Rashad Penny has not stayed healthy, but this is a this is a slam-bang running game too. I mean, this, this is – Pete does not want – shake and bake guys. He wants guys that take it right up the field and bang it in there. So you're going to get some injuries there. And uh, Rashad Penny is coming off injury. Carson was, was injured. Uh, uh, he he kind of gimped through the playoffs. So um, I'd like to see another guy there. And I think John Schneider would too. Uh, I, I, don't be surprised if they make a move to add at the, at the cut to 53 or even now to add another, another running back. DK at the receiving core, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Freddie Swan, add Dwayne Eskridge to that. That's plenty of we- that's plenty of weapons. Pretty good. Plenty of weapons for, for Russ. They, they can catch the ball, yeah. And Gerald Everett, Will Disley, good, outstanding. So there are plenty of weapons. Russ, uh, Russ's agent should be happy. Um uh Nick Ballore, I, I think he's a solid fullback. 
Um, Dwayne Brown played better than I thought he would. Whether it's good enough, we'll, we'll find out. Damian Lewis, um, Posick at center, Gabe Jackson comes in, Brandon Shell at right tackle. Uh, you know, is does Brown continue to play at a high level? It's not all pro, but it's good enough with Russ there because he can move around. Can Brandon Shell get the job done? Can Jackson get the job done? If that's the case, and they can protect Russ and get that sack total down, that that becomes this becomes a, an offense that is not only exciting and fun to watch, which of course it is, but um, but. Pretty damn good, yes. Yes. So, uh, now Russ, uh, we'll talk about that after we go through the defense because that's we know what Russ is as a player. It's, it's it's just interesting to talk about the situation. On defense, Carlos Dunlap is the uh, is the flop end. Puna Ford, Brian Moore inside, Kerry Hyder. I'm sorry, uh, Carlos Dun, Dunlap is the five technique. Kerry Hyder uh, uh, as the designated hitter. As the, as the flop end. Carlos Dunlap is an interesting guy because you can move him around. And, and if there's an, if, if Alden Smith pans out as another rusher, then you can have Carlos Dunlap inside, Kerry Hyder and Alden Smith outside. And then you decide whether, you, and, and Brian Moan probably, or Al Woods, Brian Moan would be the inside guy. Uh, so that becomes a pretty good rush if they got to keep Carlos Dunlop outside, he's he's still good outside. He can power rush you outside. Uh, he's one of the few power rushers who are really good at it. But uh, if Alden Smith can can pan out, then they got themselves a, a, a pretty damn good rush. Bobby Wagner and uh, is, of course we know is is all pro. Uh, Jordan Brooks is a, is a solid linebacker and Ben Burr Kiven. Steps in as a Sam linebacker. Witherspoon has to take the next step at corner. Jamal Adams has to stay healthy and become the linchpin that they they paid all those draft choices for. Quandre Diggs, uh, you know, I don't know if he's quite good enough because the two safeties in this offense, in this defense, have to be difference makers. I don't know if he's quite a difference maker. And DJ Reed is, is, is fine, and, and, and Desir and Trey Flowers are fine as backups. So the question is, is the, is the free safety quite the difference maker that they need? Can Witherspoon take the next step, and can they find a rusher that allows Dunlap to go inside and nickel, which will give them a really devastating, a really good rush? So there are questions to be answered on defense. but. Uh, you know, it's still a good, solid team. Now, uh, Jason Myers, good place kicker. Uh, Dixon, decent punt, uh, return, uh, punter, and Freddie Swan, and Eskridge, who I, I don't think will do much returning. He'll be in the lineup if I, if I don't miss my guess pretty soon as the third receiver. So Russ made some noise about being sacked, and he should have. I don't think he made a lot of noise about weapons because he knows what he's got there. And they added weapons, which was really good. He should be happy about that. His agent decided to be an agent and, <laughs> and, and, 
and throw a stink bomb in the, in the middle of the of the uh, locker room and offices and give ESPN and the NFL Network uh, a gift that, that that was worth millions literally to them because it gave them something to talk about that was never going to happen uh, for virtually five months. Uh, and, they'll, and they'll resurrect it still probably, uh, uh, you know, until camp starts. And, and that was enough to give John and Pete a headache that they shouldn't have had to deal with because Russ's statements were fine. I mean, they were factual. No issue there. Guy was sacked a lot. He's tired of being sacked. Wonderful. No one argues with that. But the idea that there's four teams he would be traded to is criminal uh, because he wasn't going to be traded. And everyone knew, everyone that, that understood football knew it. This was a manufactured media crisis that the media took advantage of. And I, and I don't blame the media. That's what they do. That's their job. Whether it's a crisis or not, if it can be construed as a crisis and be a subject of conversation that gets clicks and, and gets uh, uh, viewers, that's their job. So this agent, who, by the way, I'm told represents only Russell, really did the Seahawks no favor. But Pete being Pete and John being John, they weathered the storm and, uh, and, and, and got past it. And as it turned out, they, they gave the rest of the league a blueprint for how to handle rogue agents and, and, and runaway media. They were phenomenal at it. They kept their mouths shut. They said nothing. They, they got it. I know they got in contact with the player. I know they got in contact with the agent. And they made it clear that there was going to be no trade. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that's all they said. And they kept it in-house. And it was a marvelous, marvelous job. It, it gave them – it upset the offseason. I mean, there's no two ways about it. You can, you, you can say what you want, but I'd be less than honest if I told you that, in my experience, it, it causes issues and it causes you – the agent caused them to spend time on stuff that they, they could better have, have, have spent doing other things. Um, so the agent would not – I don't even know his name, by the way – would not be on the top of my list of guys that I was going to go to dinner with or even have a drink with at the combine unless I was going to put hemlock in his drink. Um, Mark Rogers. Hey, Mark Rogers. It's the the off season of Rogers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So anyway, that's the inside scoop on how it was handled. and 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 it's a, a PhD project a PhD thesis in how to handle rogue agents and runaway media. Well, and also for Russell, what even going into next, like next year, obviously with the cap increasing, they're going to have more financial flexibility to address issues on the offensive line. They're set at the skill positions. I mean, if you look at it as a two or three year project, this is a team that can do a lot of addressing on the offensive line in particular next off season. Yeah, absolutely. They can. That's exactly right. And they're going to be right in the thick of it. Um, uh, this season. And, and by the way, kudos, kudos to their ownership, kudos to their ownership. They, they, you know, again, this is a PhD thesis on how to run a team. John and Pete run it. 
The owners stay out of it. There's no owner's representative. There's no CFO. There's no uh, general counsel. Uh, there's no team president screwing around with it, uh, leaking to the media, uh, any of that stuff. This is this is this is the way to do it. There's no winning off the field. Yes, that's correct. Like that's correct. Winning the press conference. No, know. well, you, the famous Bruce Allen press conference where he said, we're winning off the field. <laughs> where I've never wanted to go to uh, Washington football team park or at the time Redskins park to protest. But that almost got me. Well, it begs the question, even though Bruce is a friend of mine, it begs the question, if you're winning off the field, where are you winning? In the parking lot? Does anyone yeah, come exactly. to see that? Well... We're definitely not winning. I mean, we had a lot of stats here, but the parking lot wasn't included in any of them. I don't think it. For, you know, for those of you who have been to FedEx Field and know the parking, yeah. no one wins at the parking lot at FedEx. Yes, no one would. That no one would go there. To begin with, you have to go there on the gunpoint to begin yeah. with. Right. Yeah. See the game. I mean, <laughs> well, one thing you do is if you if you park at at FedEx Field, you you get your requisite steps just going from the one way from the car you know. to the. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. This it's been an interesting offseason for the Seahawks, and they handled it perfect. That is the bottom line. Well, we have we have crossed the Serengeti. We have completed our look at all of the divisions in the NFL. And beginning next week, we're going to dive into some fun Hall of Fame action. So a little bit of a sea change uh, as we head into July and head into the Hall of Fame in August. We got a couple really fun episodes coming up, but uh, I think you guys have enjoyed it. We've enjoyed doing these last. Uh, eight episodes. So thank you again, Bill. Thank you. Cut. I'll see you down the road. See you guys next week. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.